Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. We have been in a series that um, I'm just so thankful that, that we've, we've been walking through together. And really what we've been talking about is the landscape of our life, your life and my life, how all the things that we've processed through, the journeys that we've been on, the difficulties that we've faced, the joys that we've celebrated, all of those things create a landscape that people get to look at our lives and they get to see God's work in us. And really, as we talk about the landscape of life, and we talk about all these things that we've journeyed in and things that you've experienced, God has given you a story that can connect with other people in their story. Amen, Pastor Tim. That was awesome. We should. God has given you a story of his grace and his work and his power and his faithfulness and all of those things as he's walked with you in the journey of your life and the landscape of your life. The things that we've seen throughout our lives are all a testimony of God's grace and goodness towards you that helps other people to see him. And it gives us the ability to connect their stories and our stories together to help them see God's story in them. And that's really why we've been in this series is to help posture our heart in such a way for you to recognize God's done some amazing things in your life. Some of them haven't felt so amazing in the journey. Can I get an amen on that? But all of them have been used to reflect and demonstrate the glory of God's work in our lives. And so as a church family, we want to learn how how to take our lives in this journey in the landscape of life and and to be able to connect the things that God's done in us in conversation with people that we're in life with every day. As you hear them going through moments of life that look like an eruption or an erosion moment or an earthquake moment, whatever they're processing through, it gives you an opportunity to be able to say some very simple words. I remember when I walked through something very similar. And here's how God met me in that moment. That's a very natural way to be able to help people connect with a very big supernatural truth that God loves them and he cares about them and he's been with them all the days of their journey. Amen? And so we've been talking about these areas um, for the past three weeks, and today we're going to finish out um, with uh, excavation. But we've been talking about eruption moments in our lives, those, those big moments where God just shows himself to be strong in our life. Maybe we weren't even looking for him, but he found us. Many of us have a testimony of that in our life. And those are powerful moments of, of God restructuring or shaping the landscape of our life. Often those are, uh, those are moments where we were going one direction and in an instant we turned around and we were going the complete opposite. God intervened in our lives. Those are important. And many of us have those kind of eruption moments in our life. We talked about the erosive moments of life. How many of you guys remember our erosion week? How many of you guys remember your erosive life? <laughs> Right? The hard things of life, oftentimes, uh, jobs or family situations, relationships, things that we process through in our life that can take place over a season of time that is slowly eroding away some of the things that we thought we believed about God and actually revealing what we actually believe about God. Right? It, it brings us into a place of greater understanding of actually who He is. And sometimes those things take some time in our life and our journey. And God is using every one of those moments and seasons 
to do a work inside of us that reveals him more and for us to be able to see him actively at work in our lives. So those erosive moments are big. And then last week, Pastor Jason did an amazing job of talking about earthquakes. Those moments, those disruptive moments in our lives, um, these life events that shake us to our core. And he actually used this phrase, and I loved it. If you were taking notes last week, I hope you wrote this down. If you're not, if you didn't take notes last week, you should take notes this week. That's just a hint. Just an invitation. Might be a little guilt trip. I don't know. But Jason made this statement, and I loved how it just painted the picture of what earthquake moments look like in our life. Here's what it said. He said, said, earthquakes are the unplanned, life-altering events that shake us and shape us. I love that. They shake us and they shape us. And Jason did an incredible job last week of saying, hey, these are the events that we don't plan for. Nobody, nobody says, hey, there's going to be an earthquake tomorrow. Let's, let's, let, we're, we're good to go. I'm, I'm, I'm planning for that. Nobody does that. Just ask everybody that lives in California, right? Like, that's not something they plan for. They, they plan for it with an understanding of what's happened in the past, but they have no idea when the next ones are going to take place. Can I just tell you, you never know when an earthquake moment's going to come in your life. It can come absolutely out of nowhere, any time of the day, any month of the year, any day of the week. Earthquakes can happen at any point in time, and they, they're life-altering. They shape us in some really powerful ways. But here's what we know. After an earthquake takes place, the topography changes. So in other words, your life is going to look different after those moments. Jason shared some powerful just life lessons that they've experienced in their family. And I think every one of us, if we had a few minutes, could come up here and just share some of the earthquake moments that have taken place in their life. I certainly have a few where the topography of my life radically changed because of moments. But here's here's what we always find in those moments, that God reveals himself in powerful ways in earthquake moments. And so as we, as we think about this journey that we're on, and each one of us are thinking kind of about this reality of life that we're in, God is forming and shaping something out of your life and your story that is helping others to see Him. Your life, your testimony, the things that you've been through, maybe the things that you're going through right now were all meant for one singular purpose, to point other people to Him. And so as you think about those moments, as you think about the things that have happened in your life, we want to finish up today talking about something that oftentimes we don't give much credence to, but is really one of the most powerful platforms by which God shapes and forms the landscape of our life, specifically after we've made a decision to follow Jesus. Today we're going to talk about excavation. We're going to talk about this reality in our lives of of what it looks like to have our life or the, the, the soil of our life, the, the landscape of our life shifted and adjusted through excavation. And when we think of excavation, oftentimes we think of things like this. How many of you say this is pretty massive excavation? Yes. yes. Like this equipment is powerful. This equipment can do kind of extraordinary things in it. Um, and it changes the topography of an area or a region, doesn't it? Because we see this, like, the the power that is associated with. How many of you know there's some intentionality happening here? This isn't happening because of some some natural erosion that's taking place. This is happening because of a very intentional 
and planned out move by somebody's work in their hands to create that kind of excavation and change. But how many of you know excavation is not always done on, on large, massive scales? Sometimes it's done in very minute ways. Can we show the next one here? Um, nope, not that one. There we go. How many of you know that sometimes excavation happens through very minute movements? When you think of archaeologists and what they're doing, they're unearthing treasures. They're unearthing things that have maybe been lost or hidden for, for some time. And the way that they do that is very meticulous, very, very careful. And so here's what I want to present to you today. Oftentimes, I know this is fascinating. I can see you guys, they're all just, everybody's just like, ah. Oftentimes, God is working in our lives through very intentional ways. And oftentimes, God's using other people to do some of the excavation in our lives. Sometimes he does it with a backhoe. Sometimes he does it with a bulldozer. And other times, he does it with a little toothpick and a little brush. But God is constantly unearthing things in our lives in preparation for some of the deeper things that he wants to do in and through. Some of the things that he wants to reveal about what he's put inside of you. A lot of that earth-moving equipment that we were watching there, they do that for a very distinct purpose. They're trying to take the topsoil away. They call it overburden away on the land so that they can get down to the mineral-rich soil that has this wonderful stuff called gold in it. It's valuable. It's important. And here's oftentimes what God's doing in your life and my life through excavation. He's moving the topsoil of a lot of the junk that's happened in our lives so that he can get down to the gold of what he's put inside of you. And sometimes he does that with a, a backhoe, but more often than not, he's in there very gently moving soil, moving things around in our lives, so that we can see the treasure that's inside of us, what he's put inside of us. Excavation is very intentional. It's an investment in our lives. It's an understanding that there's something beautiful that God has put into each one of us, and that in order to get to that gold, in order to get to that treasure, there's some, there's some earth that needs to be moved out of the way. There's some stuff in our lives that needs to be transformed and moved so that we can get down to that valuable place in us. And here's what we know, that God is a master at working in our lives. He knows the big sections that just need to be pushed away and pushed off the side of a cliff. And he knows the other sections that need to have care and tenderness taken to them so that the good things can be exposed and revealed in it. Walking in an intentional process of learning and growing, submitting ourselves to one another, to be shaped and molded in the image of Jesus Christ is what excavation is all about in our lives. Excavation takes some skilled hands. It takes some wise people. It takes some safe environments. And it takes some risk in order for us to experience the treasure that is hidden below. God knows that in our lives, and he's faithful to that process. We see this all throughout Scripture in, in relationships where people were connected together. We see these beautiful excavation-type relationships that God shows us all throughout Scripture. Think of Elijah and Elisha, where God brought the two together, and one was passing on to the next generation what God wanted to do. 
And there was a mentorship that took place in that environment. And, and Elijah and Elisha walked together and they, and they were learning. And there was this process that was happening in that moment. But how many of you know some things had to be removed out of Elijah's life in order for him to be prepared for what God needed to do in and through him? Some of that happened through the hand of Elijah with him. We have people like Samuel and Eli. We have, we have these, these moments where, where God's teaching and training a young man how to hear the voice of God and to walk through that process, but he uses an older sage. He uses a, a man that, who has been on that journey, who knew the voice of God, who knew how to recognize him and the working of God in his life, and he brought him along, this young man, to help him understand how to navigate through this journey of life, but it took some time. It took some real intentionality. How about David and Saul? And most of us look at that situation and we're like, well, that's a messed up leadership situation. Saul's trying to kill David because David's been anointed as king. Like over and over and over again, Saul is trying to take David's life. How many of you know that God was teaching David something in those moments? Through that relationship, there was some serious, I would say bulldozer excavation that was going on in David's life at that point in time. Because David had an opportunity over and over again to take Saul's life. And yet because of the character that God was forming inside of him through that relationship, God was able to excavate David's heart and reveal in him the actual heart of a king. What it meant to hear and to listen to the voice of God and not to respond to even his own troops who were saying, take his life. This man's trying to kill you. And David honored God through that relationship. I mean, have you ever been in some relationships in your life that maybe weren't the most healthy relationships, but God was working in you through them? Come on. We like to celebrate the, you know, the Elijahs and Elishas, the ones that, that looked like they had great harmony and great mentorship, but, but, but we oftentimes don't recognize the harder relationships of our life that are actually the ones where probably the greatest amount of excavation is taking place in us. How about, how about relationships like the ones we see with Moses and Joshua, how God called Moses, set him into place, and then had this young man that was walking alongside of him in that journey. And, and through that process, Moses was teaching Joshua how to, how to get ready to lead God's people into the promised land. Can you imagine the conversations that they must have had just with the things that, that Joshua was watching Moses and his leadership skill navigate through with the children of Israel? What it was like to take the children of Israel through the desert with all their complaining and whining and frustrations and all of those types of things. And what Joshua was learning from that in relationship with Moses. How we know that Joshua was learning was these powerful moments where, where Joshua understood and knew where Moses was actually getting his wisdom and power from. It wasn't him. Because Moses would go into the tent of meeting and he would meet with God and God would speak to him and give him direction. He'd give him the power and strength and ability that he needed to be able to carry on into the next season of life. And where do we find Joshua? Sitting outside the tent of meeting, unwilling to leave that place of the presence of God because he watched what it did in Moses' life. See, these are the excavation moments of life where character is being formed by the relationships that we have around us. How many, of you lead, how many of you know that, that there was probably some leadership conversations that happened between Moses and Joshua? Joshua, when it's your turn, here's what this is going to be like. Here's some things that you need to watch out for. Joshua, I want to I help you deal with 
some of the things that are going on in your heart because I know you're frustrated with so-and-so because they're saying bad things about our, our leadership. But, but son, here's what you need to know. People are always going to say bad things. You have to have enough character to be able to stand in that moment and to demonstrate what leadership is all about. How many think Moses and Joshua had a few of those conversations? Had to. That's part of life on life. That's part of, of being together in that journey. We see these all throughout Scripture, these, these places of excavation through relationships that were happening. How many of you go and know a guy named Jesus? He had 12 dudes that he walked with for three and a half years, and he was excavating their lives. He was having conversation after conversation after conversation with them, growing and developing their character in life and community together. They had conversations about being selfish. They had conversations about who's the best. They had all these conversations that were taking place, and Jesus just very patiently walked with them through that process. Sometimes he sat down with them, and you could see him as an archaeologist in there, just picking away at the dirt around some of the things in their heart. And then other times, man, Jesus just brought out the big guns and started digging big holes in their life. But it was all through the medium of relationship. Jesus was walking with them. He modeled to them actually how to live life. He didn't just tell them. He invited them into his life and he showed them. When he was experiencing challenging situations with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, all the people that were poking fun at Jesus and telling him he couldn't be the Messiah, and all these things that were horrible about him and and they were coming to the disciples and saying, man, you're falling a crackpot. This guy's nuts. He's saying that he's the son of God. What are you doing? And in all of these moments, Jesus was teaching the disciples how to live with character in their life, how to navigate through negativity, how to navigate through criticism, how to be faithful to what the Father has told him to do. And in all of these spaces, their hearts and their lives were being excavated. The, the landscape of their life was being changed and altered because of these moments in relationship. Lots of biblical examples that help us to see how in relationship with one another and how in relationship with God, God is constantly at work in our life, developing our character, forming and shaping the landscape of our life through His very intentional work in us. I don't know about you, but but I can look back over my life and I can look at the relationships that God brought into my life and continues to bring in my life and I can see the excavation work of God in me. Think of God, guys like Greg Heidemann when I was a teenager, came alongside of me, walked with me in my kind of teenage years of life and just taught me how to get in the Word of God. Taught me how to care for other people, how to serve and how to love well and how to be thoughtful and mindful of the people that were around me. He's a generous guy and taught me how to be generous and, and really taught me just a lot of aspects of life when it comes to being patient and learning and growing with people. I think of, of guys like John Cross in my life who, man, that dude was a bulldozer. Like he literally came in and peeled off layer after layer after layer of my life to help me to get to some of the the really important things in my journey of life. I'm grateful for him. Think about the people who have, who have walked with me in, in all kinds of different seasons of life and have helped me to grow and to learn and have dug down a little bit in the spaces of my heart and helped me to see some things that I just couldn't have seen on my own. I think about great environments that I've got to be in in the journey of my life. I, I got to go do a discipleship training school when I was about 18 years old with YWAM 
went down to the South Pacific and was on the Island Mercy and got to go through 12 weeks of training that, that just excavated my life in some powerful ways. Good biblical teaching and times of prayer and ministry and coaches and leaders who walked with me in those spaces and helped dig out some of the spaces of my life so that I could have, have more room for the things that God wanted to be to, to do in me. I, I, know, I know others, Eve, went through the same process my sister Kara has, and Wendy, like many of us went through these discipleship environments where some excavation takes place and there's very intentional work that's going on in us. Cassie, my niece right now, is in Africa, correct? Yes. She's in Africa um, and a, and a part of uh, Adventures in Missions, and she's been on this journey for the last three or four or five months of her life of just this exploration and this digging that's taking place inside of her and these just intentional seasons of our life. Many of us have experienced that through relationships in the church or campus ministries when you were at college or, or professional counseling who've walked with you through spaces of your life and help you uncover some of the things that maybe have been broken from your past and they're helping to find healing in your present. See, all of these are are works where God's hand has been actively involved in your life, but he's oftentimes been doing that through relationships and people that you're around. This is why God created the body of Christ, is because we need one another. We need to learn to trust the work that God does through other people in our lives. These are critical, critical moments. You can find excavation moments in your life. Maybe it's a conference that you went to. And you heard teaching or, or equipping in that environment that began to do something on the inside of you and help form some different relational goals or expectations of your life. Maybe it comes through reading books. How many of you know there's not one avenue for excavation to take place in your life, but there's lots of them out? These are just, these are five books that I literally just grabbed off my shelf. And, and every one of these books are excavation types of books. Fasting. How many of you know that'll, that'll dig away a little bit at your life? Okay. Um, Celebration of Discipline by Foster. It's a book that will take you into some deep spaces in your life and help you to learn a little bit about some of the motivations of your heart and how to celebrate the work of God and the disciplines that he brings into our life. Powerful book, powerful medium. I don't don't know Foster, but I, I can tell you this right now. He's discipled me in my life. He's helped me. This book right here, The Key to Everything. How many of you want that book, The Key to Everything? You want to know what The Key to Everything, according to Mr. Keller, is? Teachability. Learning how to be a person that is teachable in your spirit so that somebody can come to you and excavate a little bit about your, around your life and you don't get mad at them for meddling. But you understand the, the, the importance of, of being teachable in your life. There's another book uh, by Robert Morris called The Blessed Life. This book right here teaches us about finances. Teaches us about the stewardship, the, the responsibility that God's given us. And if you'll let a book like this excavate your heart, it'll actually bring some of the greatest blessing you've ever experienced in your life. Finally, one right here. Anybody ever heard of a guy named John Maxwell? 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. It's an excavation book that comes in and basically says, you suck at leading, you need to learn. Right? And if we're honest, all of us have a lot of learning and growing to do. Can I just tell you that's what excavation is all about? It's about removing the stuff that is not important or is just taking up space in your life and revealing the things that really need growth and light and development, the treasures that are in us. All of these things are wonderful platforms and tools for us to experience the excavation work that God wants to do in our lives because God is constantly at work in us. The real challenge in the world that we live in today 
is that we don't like to submit ourselves to the process of excavation. We don't like the digging process that goes on in our lives. Here's what most of our mentality is. We're free and we're independent and nobody gets to tell me what to do. It is really quiet in here. (laughs) If you don't like what I just said, it might be because inside of each one of us, it gives us a great moment to ask God why. If when somebody expresses to you in life your need or ability or opportunity to grow, or when somebody comes alongside of you and walks with you in discipleship or mentorship or all those places, and they give you instruction and something inside of you goes, you don't get to tell me what to do. I want to ask you to let that be a moment where you might go before God and say, God, why do I feel that way inside of me? Or what causes me to push back when somebody wants or needs or is in my life to help me grow and take some next steps? Because this is exactly what Jesus experienced with the disciples and is exactly what we see happen throughout the New Testament as mentorship and discipleship was taking place in the heart of life of new believers. We, we push back on that. And can I just tell you, in our culture, in our American culture, we push back on that in a big way. But let me explain this to you. If you are going to follow Jesus, then you have to follow Jesus' way. And Jesus' way is that we would be in relationship with one another, learning and growing, walking with each other, and allowing the Holy Spirit's work in our life through the relationships that we have around us to form and, and shape our character in Christ. I know that this is the Jesus way, because we see it in Scripture. In Luke chapter 2, verse 51, I want you to listen to these words here. And this, was, this was after Jesus basically ran away from his parents. He was hanging out in the city in the temple, and he was you know, involved in a bunch of conversation with these guys about religious things. And his parents find him, and, and here, here's just a, a beautiful passage of Scripture. Here's what it says in verse 51. Then he, Jesus, returned to Nazareth with them, that was his parents, and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Verse 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with both God and man. I want you to think about this. Jesus, the Son of God, who the fullness of deity dwelled in, submitted himself to his parents who did not know as much as he did. Last time I checked, they weren't there when the universe was created. And Jesus willfully submitted himself to the process of his parents forming and helping shape his life. It says it right there. He obeyed them. And then what we see out of this is that Jesus continued to grow as a young man, both in wisdom and stature. Stature means character. His character was being formed. His wisdom and stature is being formed over time through relationship with God and with people. So here is Jesus, the Son of God, demonstrating to us that the way that you actually grow forward in your life is by allowing the excavation of God and other people around you in your journey. And that if you'll submit to that process, what you get to see is you get to walk in the authority that God has for your life. 
If you're unwilling to submit to that process, then you're not going to like this war. But then what we're living in is a rebellion. We're saying, God, I've got this figured out. I don't really need your help. And I certainly don't need the help of so-and-so. And yet God brings people into our lives. We see it all through Scripture constantly to help shape the landscape of our life through excavation. We need each other. We need relationships that rub us a little bit. We need relationships where, where people, you give them permission to come into your life with a pick and a shovel and a rake and help clean out some areas of our life. Help create space for the things that God's wanting to do in us. Jesus modeled to it. Excavation has always been a part of Jesus' way. Always. It's what he experienced in his own life, and it's what he modeled with his disciples. Jesus was unapologetic about the work that he was doing with them in their character and in the way that they lived their lives. Unapologetic about it. Why? Because Jesus was demonstrating to us what it looks like to actually walk in the authority that God has for our life. You cannot walk in proper authority when you're unsubmitted. And I'm not like submitted like, oh yes, whatever you tell. No, no, no. It's a heart posture that just says, hey, I'm I'm a learner. And I'm willing to get around other people who are imperfect and allow them to be a part of my learning experience in life. I'm willing to submit myself to training and equipping. I'm willing to submit myself to even some some criticism that I may not like to hear so that my life can reflect Christ in the world that I live in. And Jesus modeled this to us. We see one of the clearest examples of this in the New Testament through a relationship between Paul and Timothy. We've talked about this a little bit, but I just want to give you some scriptural context around this of what what was taking place between Paul, a senior guy, and Timothy, a young man who was learning his way in this this space of leadership and really the formation of of what God was doing in his life. And I've read a bunch of commentaries. For those of you that maybe Jason and I are up here and oftentimes we say, hey, we we read this commentary, we read this commentary. Commentaries are simply biblical theologians who've spent a lot of time studying the Bible who, who give you some context around Scripture. Oftentimes, they'll, they'll bring other scriptural references in that to, to help, help set the, the fuller picture of it. Sometimes they just share their personal opinions on, on some things that they've seen consistently throughout scripture. But we read these commentaries oftentimes to expand our way of thinking, right? Because each one of us kind of have our own little, little path that we're looking at. So I oftentimes read commentaries to help me see a bit bigger picture. And many of the commentators that that I read and as I was just looking about this relationship between Paul and Timothy, often many of them associate them with uh, kind of an apprentice and a master kind of thing, like that that kind of relationship, the the expert and the the, the one learning. Um, some, some of them really depicted or, or talk about it from a, a father to a son, that, that, that kind of picture. So I just want to kind of get our minds wrapped around that. As we think about Paul and Timothy and the journey that they were on, this is the kind of relationship that all scholars say that they had. It was just learning mentorship type of space. And so we see this journey of excavation of Paul walking with a young man, Timothy, and him learning how to be the person that God had called him to be, taking him on a journey. And in in 1 Timothy chapter 1, we see really the picture, and we've talked about this early in in this series, actually, this space of parenting, of Paul's heart towards Timothy. And here's what it says. Uh, 
1 Timothy 1.1, just the beginning of Paul's letter to, to Timothy, it says this, This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ, appointed by the command of God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. I am writing to Timothy, and listen to these words, my true son in faith. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. And I just love this, this initial conversation that Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, just says, hey, Timothy, I, I just want you to know you're a true son to me. You're a true son to me. There's, there's, a, there's a work that's taken place in our relationship, Timothy, that I, I see you, not just as some random dude on the street or a guy that goes to my church or whatever, but Timothy, I see you as a son. I see you as one that, that is going to carry on, listen, the DNA. I see you as one that's going to carry on the family name. I see you as one that, that I want to invest in and make sure you have an inheritance in. Do you, do you hear the heart of Paul speaking to this young man? And, and, and so their relationship kind of begins in that place of a fathering and a, a son leaning into this, this relational space. And then it goes on, and we see in 2 Timothy chapter 2, so Paul writes 1 Timothy to him, gives Timothy all this instruction and encouragement, all these things is going on. And then 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 says, Timothy, my dear son, says, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. And then listen to the shift that happens right here. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. What's he doing here? He's being an example to Timothy of how you carry on the things that have been invested in you into the next generation, into the next generation, into the next generation. So Paul's going from just being a father figure in Timothy's life. Now he's, he's calling Timothy into the place of example. Timothy, you've been around me. You've heard the words that I've taught. You and I have discussed these things. We've talked about theology. We've traveled on the road together. We've had these conversations about some difficult things. Now, Timothy, here's what I'm saying. You've heard it and you've seen it. You know it to be reliable. Now what I'm inviting you into, Timothy, is taking that and using it as an example for the people that you're around. So Paul's relationship changed from father to son to really more mentor and apprentice. That, that place of, of him really investing some powerful things into his life. Second Timothy Chapter 3, verse 10 goes on to say this, But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and Ionium and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from them all. What's Paul doing right here? He's saying, Timothy, look at my life as an example for you to follow. Look at my life, Timothy. You know these things. You know how I live. We've had dinner together. You've watched me live my life with patience and love and kindness, both directed at you, Timothy, and the churches that we've visited and been a part of. And he's inviting Timothy to learn from his life. In other words, to let the, the, the work that God has done in Paul be the, the uh, work that God is doing in Timothy to develop his character as a man and as a leader. And Paul's saying, hey, listen, I, I'm setting an example. I have set an example for you to walk in. Timothy, I've cleared the path. 
We've had these conversations. We've excavated some of the things out of your heart where you were frustrated at so-and-so and didn't like this person. And they said this bad thing. And Timothy, I showed you how to handle those situations. It's an excavation work that God's doing, both through his Holy Spirit's work in Timothy and also through the skill of Paul's hands in leading and shaping and forming and walking with Timothy in those moments. It's a beautiful picture. And then we see this finish up, and I love Romans chapter 16, verse 21. And this is, this is Paul writing to Timothy again. He says, Timothy, my fellow worker, send you his greetings. I want you to think about that for a moment. Paul's journey with Timothy starts out with father to son, transitions into this place of example and, and demonstration and, and, and really an apprentice and, and, and teaching him how to, to, to live skillfully in this place. And then what does he say? Timothy, you've, you've graduated. You're my coworker now. Like, Tim, you're, you're going to go way farther than I do. I see the, the skill and the gift and the talent in your life. It's this place now of partnership. And as you think about your life, as you think about your journeys, you think about the hand of God at work in you, there have been people that have come along you in your life and have helped you get to where you are. There's people who've taken time and season to sit with you and walk through some of the questions and the, the, the for lack of a better term, immaturity of our lives. The things we just didn't have understanding or gifting in. We didn't have competencies in. And they would come along and they would help shape and form. And they would show you by their example. And they would give you opportunity to learn and grow. This is exactly what Paul did with Timothy. And all through that process, there's excavation that's taking place in the heart and life of Timothy that is forming and shaping in him the image of Christ. And Paul had some skill in how he walked with Timothy in that place. And then at the end of it, Paul is just saying, this is my co-worker, Timothy, now. Yeah, he's a son, and yes, we've walked in a... But man, look at what's happened in his life. He's now a, a partner in this journey. And all of us have had some people that have taken us on journeys, and then as they've passed us off into the next season of life and journey, now, now we're doing the same thing as them, and maybe even a little bit better. How many of you know that's okay? Here's my greatest hope and prayer for my my children, and then those that I've got to walk through spiritually in life with, I hope they go so much farther than I did. I am so grateful for what's been invested in my life. I think of Pastor Bob and all these people that have just put so much effort and energy into helping me grow and develop in my character, as Jesus did in my wisdom and stature with both God and man. But here's my greatest desire is that that would be transferred into a next generation that would take it further and better. They would hear from God better than I do. They would understand God's word deeper than I do, that they would learn how to love better and love deeper, and that they would reach into our community and our world. Like, church, if that's not, if that's not our heart and our goal, then we're missing the heart of Jesus in this. Because I, I think you remember the space that Jesus said, hey, you're going to do greater things than I. Jesus modeled this to us. And that process of greater comes through the process of excavation. It comes through the process of deep, abiding work that's taking place in our life through a lot of the people that God sets around us to help us take this journey. Now, here's the challenge that we face. We live in a YouTube generation. In other words, if there's just something you don't know, go to YouTube, find out, you're good to go. Yeah? That's the culture that we live in today. 
We don't live in a culture that says, hey, go, go submit yourself to somebody who's wiser and smarter and has more experience than you and let them teach you the way. That's not the culture that we live in. Mark and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, that when it comes to the workforce that we have in the world that we're in today, and when, we come, when it comes to just day-to-day how we do life, we don't do life like the Bible teaches us to do life. We do life from a YouTube generation mindset. Just give me the YouTube clip, I'll figure it out, and I'll do it on my own. And what it's done is it's taught us how to not be disciples. It's taught us how to not be submitted to the long-term work of excavation in our life that's actually creating something beautiful. We just want to throw dynamite in the ground, let it blow up in whatever lands we're good. That's where we're at. We like the quick. We like the speedy. We like the let's get it done now. We don't like the, hey, this might take 10 years of us walking in life together. And yet Jesus modeled to us, and the whole New Testament reveals to us that the way of the kingdom, the way of Jesus, the way of, of growing in our character and nature is through the process of excavation and relationship with one another. And choosing, willfully choosing to say, hey, I'm submitting myself to growth that I can learn from your life. I'm submitting myself to your correction. I'm submitting myself to the process that God has put, brought you into my life to be an elder to be somebody who's going to teach and instruct. Teach me how to be a husband. Teach me how to be a father. Teach me how to walk in these places. No, nope, we'll just pick it up on YouTube or whatever new TV show that's out that's teaching us how to parent. Church, there's a better way. There's a better way. And the landscape of your life, in other words, how you are learning and growing is saying something to the people that are around you in life. In other words... If the people that are around you in life that are far from God look at your life and go, man, you have a lot of people over at your house. You have a lot of people that you're sitting and hanging out with. You have a lot of people. You keep telling me about this so-and-so that's kind of helped you understand these spaces of life. They're seeing something different in you than they're seeing in the world that's around them. Because the world around us just says, you just do it your way. You just figure it out however you want to do it. And your way is the right way. Can I just tell you that is not true? It's just not a truth. We need to learn from the wisdom of the people that are around us. God created us to be in community and life together. And from that place, there's going to be excavation that takes place. But can I tell you this? There's going to be some really valuable things that are exposed in your heart and your life because of somebody else's skill in this journey. Here's what we've done. We've traded the journey for position. We've traded in our lives, character formation for the fast track. And God is trying to remind us as a church in the body of Christ, there is no fast track to stature and character in your life. Jesus showed it to us. He submitted to his parents. He submitted to the leadership, the people that were around him, even though he was who he was. And then he modeled that for his disciples And we see it lived out in the early church. And I would just venture to say that if that's the direction that Jesus called the church to, it's probably the best way to go about this journey. And just because we live in 2022 and we have technology and all these cool devices and all of this stuff around us doesn't mean that we know better. 
I think there's something super valuable for us to learn in the day and time in which we live, and that, that would be this. Maybe we need to slow down a little bit and learn from each other's lives. Maybe we need to take a few minutes and be okay with this reality of submitting ourselves to other people. Yeah, Tim, but what if they hurt me in the process? Oh, I guarantee you it's going to happen. I promise you that. I want to be really clear about that this morning. As you walk in relationship with imperfect people, imperfect people are going to hurt you in that journey, in that process. You guys are like, wow, thanks. That was really, really encouraging. That's the reality of doing life with people. It doesn't mean that there's not value in that process. It just depends on your perspective. If you're looking to have the perfect mentor for your life, let me help you. You'll never find them. And you will stay immature the rest of your life. Because you're unwilling to submit yourself to the process of people walking with you in growth and life. But if you're willing to submit yourself to the process that Jesus shows us of excavation, relationship with one another, knowing that they're imperfect, but they still have valuable things to bring into your life. If you'll submit yourself to that process, God can release authority into your life. Why? Because God can only release authority to those that are submitted. How do we know that? Because Jesus modeled it to us. Jesus didn't do anything but what the Father told him to do. And Jesus submitted to his earthly parents who were not perfect in any way, shape, or form. So here's what I want to encourage you. As you think about your life, as you think about the landscape of your life, as you think about eruptions and erosion, as you think about earthquakes, and you think about excavation, my question to you is, what is the story of your life telling to the people that are around you? Is there anything different about your life than your next door neighbor who doesn't know anything about Jesus. Because the landscape of your life is telling a story. And it's either telling a story of God's intervention and His grace and His work and His power and yes, His excavation and some earthquakes and all of those things, or it's telling a story that I've got this on my own, good, we got covered. And Jesus invites us into the place of saying, hey, do it my way. My way is better. And as we, here's, here's the cool thing about doing it Jesus' way. When we do it Jesus' way, then we get to lean into the grace that he provides us to walk through those seasons. When we do it our way, there is no grace in that space. There's only pain. And Jesus invites us into the place of grace because he wants us to learn from his way because he said, listen, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. doesn't mean there's not work involved. It just simply means when we do it his way, oh man, there's a grace that comes in that moment to be able to do what he's asking us to do. And church, your life is saying something to the people that you're around. The landscape of your life may be the only picture that some of the people around you in life are getting of who God is. And so could we show them the picture of God's grace that has met us in the earthquake? God's mercy that's, that's eroded away some of the, the wrong ways of thinking in our life. God's, God's explosive moments in our life where we've had eruptions and we've seen God transform us. And yes, God's excavation of our heart and our life and our character so that other people around us can go, man, I, I need some of that. I need some of that. That's what the landscape of life is all about, is recognizing the work of God in us that gives us an incredible testimony of his power, of his grace, 
of his mercy, of his intense love that never gives up on us. Church, that's what this is all about. So when you think of the landscape of your life, I want you to to ask yourself the question, how will the landscape of my life leverage me opportunities to connect other people to the goodness of God? The journey, the earthquake, everything that you've faced in your life and the things that you're facing right now, how is it setting a platform for others to experience God in and through your life? That's the landscape of our life. That's why God put you next door to the neighbor that you're next door to. That's why God put you in a cubicle next to the people that you're next to. That's why God put you in the job that you're in is so that other people can look at your life and see the kingdom of God, see the good news of the gospel through you. Amen? So as a church family, when we think about excavation, we think about earthquakes and all of those things, what we want to do is we want to have eyes to see, God, what are you doing in these moments? And how does that give me an opportunity to connect with the hearts and lives of the people around me? Amen? Amen. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray over you today. We've, we've navigated through this series of the landscape of life. I think there's some things that God's just going to continue to teach us as we respond to this. But it set the stage for us to be able to pause for a moment and look at the journey of our life, the landscape of our life, and see really extraordinary things that God's done. To be thankful that Jesus said, hey, I'm never going to leave you. I'll never forsake you. And we can look back over our lives. And I don't know about you, but I can say he has been absolutely faithful. So I want to take just a moment this morning and pray over your lives. And then we're going to jump into groups here in a second. Maybe just discuss through, we have a question for you. But discuss through some of these places of the landscape of life for us as we process a little bit together what it looks like to actually be a follower of Jesus. Let me pray over you and then we'll jump in this time. God, we thank you so much, God, really for this series. Lord, for what you're teaching us about the landscape of our life. And Lord, really the significant impact and witness it has to the people that are around us in this journey of life. Lord, I'm asking today, Lord, that you would open up the eyes of our hearts, Lord, the understanding inside of us, God, to recognize your hand at work in us. Lord, even as we discussed and talked about excavation today, Lord, that we would be able to to look into the journey of our life, God, and be thankful for all the moments of life, Lord, where you've brought people alongside of us that have maybe challenged us in some areas of life, God, but have helped us to excavate out the beauty of what you've put in us, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would be a community of people, Lord, that would joyfully surrender and submit, God, to the work of your excavation in us, Lord, both, God, through the work of your Holy Spirit and through the relationships that you've put around us. Lord, that we would trust that you know what you're doing. Lord, that our lives would be living examples, God, of the good news of Jesus in the world today. Lord, we have been so blessed, God, by you. And so, Lord, we pray that our lives, Lord, would be a a, a witness, a living testimony, God, of your goodness and your grace to the people that are around us in life. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.